0: You're listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family.
1: Hello, I'm Stephanie Ruff. And I'm Aviva (laughs) Nabeski. We're the hosts of the Dressage Today podcast, where you can find us talking about anything and everything dressage-related. Our conversations span the world of dressage from leading riders to local-level dressage heroes. We're talking training advice, showing tips, and sharing stories to inspire your own dressage journey. So tune in, then tack up. Welcome to the Dressage Today podcast, sponsored by Wellness Ready. Later, we'll be talking to Ida Norris, USEF licensed S judge, and a large R Western dressage judge. But before we get to her conversation, I wanted to share a few details about the upcoming World Cup. So. So jealous. I know. I know. I wish you could come. Me too. It's going to be, it's going to be good. I will be there along with my coworkers, Julia and Sandy, and we will be covering both the dressage and the show jumping for Practical Horsemen and dressage today. So if you're not able to come, you can keep up with us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. But if you are in fact coming to Omaha, we also will have a booth in the expo area And I want to let everybody know that we are working on having some special guests and special events at the booth. I can't say what they are yet because we're still working on the details, but it'll be good. So (laughs) just trust me on that. Um, And when we get it solidified, we'll put all the details about where and when and times and that sort of thing on the social
2: media accounts. So
1: it's coming up fast
2: it is coming up fast and i know you're going to have an amazing time and um, i will be following rabidly yes <laughs> on, yeah on facebook i don't instagram or tiktok but i will be okay. on the facebook page so we'll he, be a, yeah
1: we'll be there we'll be we'll be all over and um, well it will be live streamed through the FEI if or i guess um, if you have an account there but otherwise you'll have to just Keep keep in tune for all the, all the stuff. Other than that, you know, Aviva and I don't have a whole lot going on. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, It's hard to
1: compete with the World Cup. Okay, <laughs> right. That's that's going to take precedence for now. We'll be
2: back on our own stuff uh, next month. <laughs> we have a very exciting conversation with Ida Norris. I'm I'm thrilled that we got the, the opportunity to talk to her. She's A a very good friend and a fabulous judge and really committed to Western dressage. And I think our conversation is going to be amazing. Yeah. And so if
1: anyone is even remotely interested or curious, they will definitely want to stay tuned for that. Yes. Our Ask the L question this month is not so much a question, but more of a request. And it comes from Caitlin. And she requested that you please explain what the judge means by the comments, needs more ground cover. And show more distance. And before you say anything, I will say that I get the show more difference. I have gotten that quite a few times from quite a few judges in my dressage history. So I think those are two very, very common comments for a lot of riders from a lot of judges.
2: Okay. I, I, those are comments that I do use a lot. Um, the needs more ground cover, Caitlin, we tend to use that. Um, in two places. We definitely use that when we're talking about the um, lengthened, medium, extended gates. I think that's pretty self-evident. You know, a a working trot or a collected trot, you wanna see the horse actually, if not over tracking, at least tracking up. In the lengthening of gates, the medium and the extended, we want even more ground cover. So if you were to watch where your horse's front foot hits, you want to see in the lengthenings um, that that hind foot goes in front of the hoof print of the front foot. Pretty self-evident, right? The same thing with the canter, just literally cover more ground. So one of the wonderful exercises you can do to see whether in fact you are covering more ground is go down your long side, either the canter, the trot, whatever, um, and count your strides from one corner to the other and then go down your next long side and see if you can cover that long side with fewer steps. Right. Um, if you make it down your long side in, let's say, 20 canter strides and you make it down your next long side in 19 canter strides, you are definitely covering more ground, but not a whole lot. Right. Yeah. So working on maybe being able to cover your long side on 17 or 18 canter strides. Um, Remembering, of course, that there is more to it than just covering ground. You're also talking about balance. You're talking about frame. You're talking about suspension. But if you're getting the comment needs more ground cover, probably you're just not showing enough of the difference between the gate that you're starting in, whether that's the working gate or the collected gate, and the gate that you're supposed to be showing. You will also frequently see that um, in the walk, um, yeah, puberty, yeah. the definition of the walk, um, the, both the media now, both the medium and the free walk are defined as having over track. So you can have a super sexy free walk where your horse is really stretching out and swinging through their backs, and you think it's wonderful, and the judge sees that, yeah, your horse is really relaxed, but you're still three inches shy of even tracking up, let alone over-tracking, you're going to get the comment, something like, relaxed and stretching needs more ground cover so it is it is a very literal statement that you need to be going across the ground bigger than what you what you have demonstrated. Right. Um, hopefully that made sense. Um, as far as the show more difference, you are talking again about a transition um either from the working trotter, the working canner to the lengthened trotter canner or you're looking at from collection to medium or collection to extended. Um, And what the judge wants to see is that there is a, a, that that it is identifiable that you have changed the length of the stride of the gate, that you have shown a difference in the suspension and the lift and the balance um, in the gate from the working or the collected to the um, lengthen or medium or extended. As you go up the levels, we also want to see that that difference is fairly crisp. So tied in with that comment of shows more dif- show more difference, you may also see um, something like fades or slow to develop. Yeah. So you may demonstrate a brilliant trot lengthening across the diagonal Um, but it took you all the way until X to get there. (laughs) And you didn't show very many steps because you faded before you got all the way across the the diagonal or you got across the diagonal and nothing happened. You were still doing your lengthening as you went through the short side. (laughs) What we'd like to see is that, you know, all things being equal, that we can tell that you've just done something, Um, that you are meeting the definition of what the new transition within the gate actually is not that you go down the long side in quote length and canter. And all you're doing is basically galloping, you know, you're going faster, right? It's very powerful and it's very exciting, but (laughs) the the only difference is the tempo. So you have, if you read carefully the definitions of, of each one of these gates and the, and the transitions within the gates and the definitions of the differences in the gates, I think, Caitlin, that that'll that explain to you a little bit better about what those comments mean. Very good. Okay. Have you ever gotten those comments? Uh, of course. <laughs> 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 um, because I have more time I want to admit to. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yep. Um, oh, with I you. To develop and sure. um, fades. <laughs> Yes.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's all a big work
2: in progress. Yep. Absolutely.
1: All right. Well, thank you for that answer. And as always, if people have more questions, we are always looking. Aviva is always looking for more questions Absolutely. to answer. <laughs> so if you have if you have a burning question about showing or judging, please reach out to us on our social media. When we return, our conversation with Ida Norris. Did you know that 90% of all laminitis cases are caused by excess insulin production? What if we told you that you can find out your horse's insulin level and laminitis risk in a matter of minutes? There's a new tool in the fight against laminitis, Wellness Ready. Wellness Ready is the first and only stall-side blood test that allows you to instantly determine a horse's risk for laminitis. No more waiting a week for lab results. Wellness Ready delivers an accurate, real-time insulin reading in minutes. This potentially life-saving tool allows veterinarians to identify and manage horses prone to founder due to underlying endocrine disorders such as equine metabolic syndrome and equine's Cushing's disease. Join the fight against laminitis and talk to your vet about the Wellness Ready stall-side insulin test. It can save time, money, and potentially a life. Visit wellnessready.com for more information. Ida Norris started riding Western as a girl and was even the 1978 Maine Appaloosa Queen. Her extensive dressage background includes eight years as a youth taking lessons with Olympian Michael Pullen, work with German judge Maria Zimmer, and work primarily in Portugal with Nuno Oliveira. Kathy Connolly was instrumental in polishing her test riding skills at the FEI level, and Bo Yenna's work with Ida has developed her skill in classical longlining. She currently clinics regularly with Arthur Kodas, Bo Yenna, and Janet Foy. She has trained and ridden horses to numerous USEF and USDF awards, and she is a USDF gold, silver, and bronze medalist. All of the awards she earned were on horses she trained herself. She is also a Western Dressage Level 5 competitor, a USEF S Senior Dressage Judge, and a USEF Large R Western Dressage Judge. Her recreational riding and horse activities include working equitation, extreme obstacle challenges, and international agility. Ida, I would like to thank you for joining us today on
0: the Dressage Today podcast. Thank you. It's nice to talk to you, Stephanie, and hi, Aviva. <laughs> hi. So we're
1: going to jump right into the questions here. And, you know, you spent many years as a traditional dressage rider and judge, but you have made a bit of a switch to Western dressage. And what is it about Western dressage that attracted you?
0: Well, it's one of those things that hardly anyone knows, but I was that uh, 10-year-old kid that wanted a horse. We all have that story and got yeah. the parents to buy the horse. And wouldn't you know, we bought a two-year-old with 30 days training that came with a weapon saddle. <laughs> oh dear. And we had no idea, you know, innocence abroad. So I couldn't ride the thing one-handed everyone else was horse showing but I couldn't control the thing so I made up my mind all these English people you know they ride with two hands I should I should go English Mm -hmm. I was the only kid in my county trying to ride hunt seat and meanwhile down the road is Michael Poulin an hour down the road and he's changing over from saddle seat to dressage so I get pulled into dressage and my parents begin to do horses and they're riding my dad Western and my mom takes up English with me and goes and takes riding lessons with Michael Poulin and we're doing our thing and we're riding Western and saddle seat and hut seat and we were breeding Appaloosas and Arabs and so we're in the show rings riding riding horsemanship you know changing the saddles so I've always ridden Western and (laughs) when I became kind of this dressage queen as I got older you know I kind of had to hide the fact that I'd been the main Appaloosa uh, queen, you know, the 1978. <laughs> yeah. I'd been to the Nationals and my dressage horse was winning the ladies' Western pleasure classes. You know, <laughs> I love you're that. So you're hiding your Western saddle in the back so the, the, the <laughs> clients don't see your saddle, you know. <laughs> <I> mean, gee. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So, the long and the short of it is, I've always kind of ridden Western and my Western saddle's always been here. And, you know, I was a like, closet (laughs) rider
1: right so you're you're returning back to your
0: roots is what you're doing absolutely absolutely yes yes so it's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun you know it's like yes it's dressage based but you know the tax different but the work the work is it's the same you know good horsemanship is just good riding good horsemanship so it's fun it's fun
2: well, that's that's my question for you. I mean, i I judge schooling shows and I judge Western dressage occasionally, and you know, obviously lots of traditional dressage. And I tend to try to look at them with the same eye. Um, is Is that correct or or are they different?
0: Well, um, they are the same, and they are different. <laughs> so, so here's the part. Um, currently right now, um dressage regular our regular dr does not have some of the movements that we have in wd and some of those movements are the movements that we're not currently exhibiting in dr is side pass turn on the forehand and in western dressage at the upper levels we also have pivots so those are actually different and and judges you know, have to educate themselves about the requirements of those movements and what what's expected. What is different, I think, is the focus of Western dressage. And you can tell that from our mission statements are completely different. USDF mission statement says that we're developing horses uh, to be, you know equine athletes to go to the Olympics. And that's our end mm-hmm. goal. And it says that right in our mission statement, Whereas the Mission Statement for Western Dressage says that we're developing horses for safe, very steady, harmonious riding. It says in the Mission Statement that we're providing a home, an activity, um, a competition for horses that may come from other divisions, that may need a second uh, or third opportunity for a job, that we will encourage uh, all breeds, every breed that Um, We include mules, you know. um, Uh So it's a different, entirely different mission statement. And harmony, rideability, and safety is the number one priority of Western dressage, as opposed to extreme athleticism. So we're saying that we're interested in using all of the dressage principles, all the wonderful principles of dressage, to improve average normal horses.
2: Hmm. That's a beautiful way to s- to address things.
0: Yeah, it's 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 exciting. You know, it's it's the way when I started in in the nineteen seventies. Uh oh, Oops. H <laughs> H <note. laughs> um, hey, I know how old, I'm old like, you are. <laughs> older than you are. <laughs> when I started, you know. Um, And there I was on an Appaloosa Arab, so that was, you know, weird. um, Everybody just had any old horse that they had. And um, it was the horses that were well-schooled, quiet in the ring, properly trained, that were... I won't say winning because you don't win every class, but you know, you're always placed because you had a really well-schooled horse and that's what dressage was about. And dressage was about making every horse better and pretty much everyone at an average horse, they didn't have any exceptional movers and eventually, you know, warm bloods come in and kind of blow everyone else away gate right. um, wise. And um, our breeders have continued to breed incredibly athletic horses. But in the beginning, most of us were on pretty average horses. And Western dressage is where these middle class people are with average horses. I mean, obviously, you need a horse with a clear walk, uh, jog and lope, you know, to be rhythmic and, and clear in the rhythm. But Because the coefficients and the emphasis in the judging is on if the horse is really um, on the aids and attentive to the rider and well schooled, those horses are successful and they're very successful in the ring. And uh, so it's fun. It's really interesting that the emphasis is a little different focus.
2: Mm -hmm. No, that is definitely. In traditional dressage, we're looking, you know, honestly, we're looking for the big flashy gates. Um, and and in Western dressage, you're looking for the harmony. And it's a shame that traditional dressage has moved away from that.
0: Well, I I think so, you know, but <laughs> yeah. I, I love both divisions. The these. I, I, I mean, I was a dressage queen forever. And mm-hmm. when I started out, it was more this emphasis that WD has. And I think it has changed. But um, what I do find now about about teaching and judging Western dressage and coaching people in it, this this focus on safety and rideability is the number one thing. And, for Mm -hmm. example, like one of there are very few rule differences, but one of the rules which I love, I absolutely love it is, you know, in dressage we have in DR, we have the list of eliminations and that's you know, you're an improper entry, you, you know, cruelty, uh, lameness, there's a whole list of things to be eliminated for. And that list is almost the same in WD. It's very similar, except for, which I love, I love this, is, um, what does it say? It says, um, if the horse bucks, kicks rear strikes, it's um, a clear, it says clear disobedience, you're eliminated. I don't have to wait 20 seconds and have a heart attack that the horse is going to flip over. I don't, this is wow. a clear elimination there. There's no question about this. It, you can't uh, question the judge's call. You're out mm. because this is about safety and average people being able to ride horses. Yeah. which You know, I'm like, this is great. Now um, it's about, um, average, cool, neat horses and riders uh, experiencing um, confidence, being able to go into the ring, and you know, people avoid the good old-fashioned word in Western of the word "broke." It didn't have a bad connotation years ago. It meant that the horse was super safe. It was reliable. Yeah. All riders, it was. We didn't. It wasn't a. It wasn't a bad PC word. And I still like that connotation and I search for the right words to express to people. I need your horse to be more tame. You know, (laughs) it isn't just about can you go out and do half pass? Can you, you know, reliably, will it stand at the block while you get on? Right.
2: Do you think that the, the WDAA is doing a good job of educating the public and dressage riders and judges so that, that the WD riders at schooling shows run by the, the the USDF GMOs are getting a fair shake? Or do you think that people like me are still struggling to figure out what it is we're watching?
0: <laughs> well, oh, tricky question. You know, I don't want to point the finger <laughs> at anybody here, Um, but let me share some thoughts with you about this, because I think we might be looking at this the wrong way. WDAA is amazing in that they do have tremendous judges programs, and their judges' programs are very similar to our L and small R programs and large R programs. There's testing, they're extensive, but they're open to the public. And I've just uh, just come from one that was in Colorado in February, and we had so many auditors in there. And we don't require our auditors to be quiet. They can ask questions, they can talk to the judges afterwards they can integrate, oh, wow. they, got, they got all the materials, they could pay and get all the materials that I got if they wanted to. Wow. So the programs are in place. And there's tons of clinics. So you can go to a clinic, then people like me, like, I take I'll take your call, I'll take anybody's call. If anybody is thinking that they're going to judge some WD, and they have a question, I'm not saying I'm an expert That's, and I'm not saying that my job is just to teach judges. So don't misunderstand. But colleagues call all the time and ask me, Hey, do you know blah, blah, blah rule? Cause I'm on the rules committee. <laughs> and if I don't know, I find out for them or I help them or I talk to them. So I'll take a call and help an L who's going to judge. But here's the thing. Responsibility is always on the organizer. The organizer is supposed to hire people that are trained to judge what they're offering. Yeah. And if you're a USCF licensed show, that is their legal responsibility to hire a judge with the license that matches. Now, right. so, so the GMO has a responsibility here to ask the people they're hiring. Are you comfortable with this? Are you educated in this? How are you doing? Can we help you? Do you need any information? And the judges themselves really have to educate themselves. And I get asked sometimes to judge something that I haven't judged for a while. Like like sometimes I get some power classes and I don't get a lot of power classes. And I have to bone up for a week or two ahead of time to be yeah. sure that I'm up on the newest rules. That's a judge's responsibility, and it's their ethics that they turn down those jobs that aren't right. If, yeah. they don't, if they don't know the rules, but here's something exciting. The WD rules that are in the USCF rulebook, so, you know, online you can go and look at the rules and you yeah. can print them out. They're only 36 pages. (laughs) (laughs) There's only (laughs) only 18 pieces of paper. I print that out three or four times a year and stick it in a notebook and keep it highlighted. Like any L can can read 18 pages (laughs) in full. A lot of them are similar. And there's just a few different, like, writers are allowed to softly use their voice. They're allowed to softly pat their horse. Um, There's there's a few rules like, like the elimination rule for bucking or rearing, but most of the rules are almost the same. So they just have a few more rules to learn or a little different slant on the rules. So reading the rules. And then, you know, those tests are just amazing because just like DR tests, WD tests have Right past where it says what you're going to do, you know, enter a X halt salute, proceed working jog. The next column over on the test tells the judge exactly how we want it judged. It'll say, you know, straightness, looking for energy in the gate, um, prompt and immobile halt, steady move off. There's directives of how to judge it so if the judge would study the tests ahead of time there's half of their education so i feel like wd is doing a good job and but what i feel like is those people that complain that they didn't um get a well-educated judge that gmo let them down and that judge let them down
2: That's a good point. I know the first time I was asked to judge Western dressage, the the organizer asked me if I was comfortable. And I said, I've never judged it. I'll get back to you. And I went online and I Googled and I watched videos and I, I read the rule book and I did all of that. And I thought, I think I understand it. And so I called the organizer back and I said, I think I understand it, but I want you to let your um, competitors know that I am not a licensed WD judge. And that I will give them the best that I can, but that I am not as educated as I should be.
0: So that the competitors
2: could make the decision not to ride for me.
0: But that was very ethical of you and you did the right thing. And that's just that's, <laughs> just that's just what, that's just what you should do. Try to educate yourself, and and let your let all your people know. Like, all I don't know a licensed WD judge that won't take a phone call from somebody. Like, I'll take a phone call anytime. Anybody has a question, no. uh, and they'll help each other, and they'll help people. So feel free to call on colleagues, you know, because we will help people with questions, and even if. You know, you go and you judge something and you come home afterwards and you're having one of those sleepless nights because you're thinking, I hope I did the right thing. Because judges, judges have the intention of always doing the right thing and doing right by competitors. And when something goes a little awry, there's a sleepless night because, oh my goodness, did I play? Did oh, so yeah. <laughs> I play so fair yep. to that competitor? I'm trying so hard to be fair. And judges really, really have slee- sleepless nights if this happens and calling a colleague and saying, hey, I I did this. And do you would you have done it that way? And maybe a more experienced colleague um, says, well, that was fine. But you know, here's another suggestion of another way to handle that, yeah. that might be effective. That kind of support is very helpful. And we have that a lot in WD. This happens, we, we, Call on each other, and it's awesome. Our 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 stewards are, which are our TDs, are so helpful to us. Also,
1: so kind of on those. Since you said you were on the rules committee, um, the <laughs> currently it's Western dressage compet- competitors do not have to wear helmets. Do you think that will change at some point?
0: Well, um, what is really exciting about WD, which is a little, I'm going sideways on the topic on you here, (laughs) but um, I have never been involved in an organization where we were allowed to have so much input. And almost every month, is just about every month at the first of the month, the president's letter from Cindy Butler comes out and then right directly after that, every single member, every member, that gave an email address, it's a survey. And those surveys are full of questions, you know, Mm. how do you feel about this? What do you think about that? We're considering a rule change about this. Like just last year, there were some changes to some of the tack rules and some of the clothing rules in order to keep us looking still Western, but to accommodate things like Um, We need sun shirts and, you know, we need this and we need that. We still need to look Western and we need to appreciate our heritage, but we need to be modernizing and we need to be allowing this for safety. And so these discussions are on the table all the time and constant and we're allowed to have input and that input drives those changes. As a judge, what I can tell you is right now, like I judge a lot live and I judge a lot online. And mm-hmm. way more than 60% of people are wearing helmets. So they're allowed okay. to wear a helmet. They can wear a safety vest. There's a lot of safety equipment. Of course, the horses look really um, obedient, but that doesn't mean that a horse won't act up. Right. But there's a lot of helmets out there. So there's no uh, bad feeling about helmets. And it's always being discussed. So at least with WD, it's on the table. Right. And it's being discussed.
2: How about the use of curb bits at the very basic levels? I mean, in in traditional dressage, you know, you you graduate to the double bridle, the curb bit is the second bit, Um, and that, you know, there was all that controversy of whether it would be at third level or not, definitely at the FEI levels, and then the controversy of whether the FEI level even has to require the double bridle, but I know in Western, I see riders at, at intro and basic, and they are using a curb.
0: Yes. Well, it's kind of, it's really interesting that you asked me, and I'm glad you did, because it, it causes a lot of, I know my colleagues in Dressage are kind of confused by this, and so it's interesting to talk about what we have going on in WD is a lot of the horses come over from other divisions into these divisions, and it's actually many of the horses that are in intro and in basic aren't actually green horses. These are some of them, a lot of Mm. them, (laughs) horses with very sophisticated riders. And the interesting thing about the riding is that way earlier in riders' lives, and sometimes if you're in a Western division, not Western dressage, but a different Western division, you were taught your original equitation was on a curve. And they have a lot of information and a lot of training on how to use a curb. And they have information, which is a little different from the way we ride in that when we think about a half halt, we think about gathering a horse up and then uh, the horse has a check in the, in the bridle and that release of the half halt is there. And in these Western divisions, the idea and the theory is that you know the curb engaged for a moment the horse changes its balance, the release is complete, and then the horse and the ride is supposed to continue in some kind of self-balance in a frame for that division without constant curb contact. Well, if you think about that, those people are thinking about self-carriage in a frame. And so we have people in these divisions that have some curb use, they understand how the curb works and the release of the half halt. And they understand that they want a horse in a connection without curb pressure constant. And then we have some horses that aren't green in here. So there's a whole lot of leeway in intro and basic. I mean, we do have some green horses and a lot of times you will see those in just a simple snaffle or you know a D-bit or one of our dressage snaffles But we do have people, because they're new to Western dressage, they have the idea, which I think is a great idea, that they don't start in the middle of our tests or the middle of our patterns. They start at intro because they don't know anything about Western dressage. And they come into these lower patterns, and they're fairly sophisticated riders and maybe mature horses that have already dealt with a curb and are being ridden in a curb And they come in and they do intro pattern and they move through basic and they're progressing because they're learning how to ride tests and they're learning how they're going to be judged and they're being evaluated and moving up correctly through levels in a system. And they may never have worked in any kind of a dressage system. So it does sort of surprise people. And they, you know, and like all riding, you know, we have some riders that are doing awesome jobs. And then, like all divisions, there's good mm-hmm. writing, and there's not so good mm-hmm. writing. And then you'll have somebody yeah. that's bouncing around on the bridle. And yeah. as judges, we're writing down, hey, and and luckily, we're allowed to write, "Hey, why don't you consider, you know, moving off a curb and getting into a snaffle? You know, why don't you try, you know maybe a dressage snaffle or a different bridle or you know, get, work on your hands and make them independent?" And, you know, we yeah. say all the things that we're allowed to say. <laughs> so so well, good that, that
2: brings me to another question, Ida. I, I have a, a friend who is a WD writer, and she's going through the, the, the judge's training now. And she asked me a question a while ago um, and we had a really, I mean, we spoke for hours on the phone about this. And I'm not sure that we ever really came to an understanding. Um, but so my question is, we were talking about the connection in WD. And that what she was getting from a lot of judges, and of course, these are, you know, traditional, you know, L graduates, um, not WD judges, was that her reins were too slack and that her horses were not connected. And that she was trying to create soft connection where the horse was carrying himself in self-carriage, not off the bridle. So... I'm yeah. not really, I'm not asking a question. I'm making a <laughs> comment
0: that's sort of a question. <laughs> okay, I'm with you. You know, we all talk about, you know, ultimately at Grand Prix, you know, the idea would be that we pr- primarily don't, you know, the ultimate Grand Prix would be that the horse would carry itself. And, and if you use the reins, it would only be to produce really Vend, Um. you know, and then You know, the horse is really supposed to be in self carriage. They don't balance particularly on the reins, or, and especially in French classical, that they're inside of the bridle and in self carriage. And we do talk about this some. And um, this gal that was talking about asking her horse to be more inside of the bridle and in self carriage and in connection without leaning on the bridle and in a frame and in a balance, that's true. And here's the tricky part for people. To be a really good instructor and really good judge at WD, you really, in my opinion, really need to understand a lot about how horses balance themselves at upper levels, truly in self-carriage and inside of the bridle rather than um, on the bit. And that younger, greener, horses tend to be a little bit more in a contact in a rein and that is a style of riding and it's a great style of riding and there's nothing bad about it but what's interesting about WD is because you're allowed to ride in a snaffle and you can ride in a curb and you can ride two-handed or one-handed if you wanted to either of these ways of balancing a horse is recognized as good horsemanship when it is done well and when it's done well the result is a horse through its back engaged active relaxed the muscles look supple the horse shows bend the end product's the same how how you got there is a little different but that isn't any different from the german system and the french classical system those are Two systems that good writing, when it's done well, ends up with the same results. And we're
2: kind That's of a really there. nice way of putting it. And it's beautiful. When it's done well, it's beautiful, and it's yeah. harmonious, and it's, and it's safe. So it it's is. all the things that WD is looking for.
0: Yes. And what we're trying to do is to be open-minded and not critical of how you affect your connection, as long as we don't perceive it as being detrimental to the horse or heavy. I mean, obviously, just like DR riding, WD doesn't want horses that look like they lean on the bridles or pull in the reins. You know, none of that kind of riding is is happy in any division. Right. Well, it is, I do understand that our colleagues come into this and especially because curbs aren't used until third level and then through FEI. And quite frankly, most poor people, they take their riding lessons and they ride up through third level and fourth level. And then all of a sudden they're at pre-St. George, they got to throw the double bridle on it. In reality, there's very little instruction in the United States about how curbs actually work and what the end result is of how to use a curb and when it's appropriate and how much to use it or not use it. We have wonderful FEI writers that are lovely and well schooled, but you know, the average student, you wouldn't say that this was a large part of the writing lesson program. So, yeah, then, not at all. Then people come into Western Dressage and they're kind of like, well, they've seen a lot of curb abuse. And it doesn't occur to them that these other divisions, that these people started out in curbs and that their writing instructors. Might not understand, you know, fill in the blank, something complicated about dressage. Maybe they don't understand what the shape and bend of a half pass is or whatever, but they understand curves because they've been riding 20, 30, 40 years, however long it is. They've been using curves and different kinds of bits, unusual bits, different bits, and they have bidding experience, which it's a different. You know, they're different divisions. So yeah. It's hard to you know sometimes we're not open minded enough to really appreciate I think it's very important to appreciate other people's expertise and the and be open minded and step into a place and not immediately say well i don't I don't do that, I don't like that, or to stand there and say, "Wow, that's different. now let me see if this is working. how's this working is it is it working yeah, wow, that looks. I don't know how they did that because maybe I don't know how to do that, but wow, that looks good. That's the, that's where we have to be to understand and to learn. I love this now because um, I get to share all this with everybody. And before (laughs) this was all, you know, as a dressage person, I couldn't even mention I had a Western saddle. My colleagues would look sideways at me and some of them still do. I mean, yeah. you imagine there's a few negative remarks at the dinner table sometimes at a dressage at a show. <laughs> you know, like you do that stuff and you can tell they don't approve. Okay, <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but I'm having fun. <laughs> there you go.
2: And it really is supposed to be fun, isn't it?
0: It, it is a whole different culture. Um, the people are extremely welcoming. I find them open-minded and they're willing to absorb dressage because they're just fascinated with wanting to be great horsemen. They don't even want to be average horsemen. They don't it's not about going to the Olympics. It's not their personal riding, but this bond with their horses, and they cry over their horses, and they hug them, and, you know, you see somebody in a ring patting their horse in the test, and I feel like jumping up and down, this is loud in Western USA. Yes.
2: <laughs>
0: and you're like, this that makes you kind of get, you know, um, teary-eyed, and I just love that. So, yeah, it's a whole different, they're pretty welcoming, and yeah open open-minded so they I mean they don't want us to look too dressagey you really got to try to look a little bit western <laughs> but hey I get to buy a hat and I get some cool chaps and I get to re- wear rhinestones and it's fun
2: oh the bling is great so what you're telling me Ida, is I can grab myself a western saddle and plop it on on Leo and I can go show western dressage
0: I think and, you know, the one I'm thing kidding. I am. <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. There's more to does than the tack. I know you. that. I want to <laughs> see you out there. You know, I will tell you this: for those people that start to do this, <clears throat> the tack is different, and you have to get used to how the tack works and how it functions and figure out which saddles and which bridles within and luckily there's a huge they allow such a huge amount of tack and bridles and whatever so you do need to find what works for you and for your horse and the feel in the western saddles is is different so it takes a little time for the horse and the rider but i encourage anybody to give it a try i really do
2: The few times I've ridden in Western saddles, I have, and it's, you know, they weren't my saddles and a saddle is something very personal. Um, I found them very uncomfortable. The, The tree did not fit me well, but I've seen that there are as many Western saddles out there as there are traditional dressage saddles. So I'm sure I could find something that would be comfortable.
0: Yes. And one of the things that's super, super exciting, like this week, I was just testing a saddle for OSS saddles. And they're developing saddles specifically for us, for Western dressage. They meet all of our requirements for Western dressage for legality. But like, for example, I'm talking to a man about, I can only accept a narrow twist. I, you know, it really hurts my hips if the twist is too wide. I can't be sitting in the back seat. I need the seat to be in the right place. I need the fenders to drop straight down under my seat. They are developing saddles that meet the, meet the needs of being Western and are legal for Western dressage, but are developed for more of uh, this kind of athletic work and specifically for Western dressage athletic work. And they're out there. So you can, you know, don't give up. They are out there. <laughs>
2: Well, that that sort of ties in with another question because you, we think about how difficult saddle fitting is both for horses and for their humans, um, and I know that Western Western saddles are mostly designed for a, a a type. You know, it's 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 the it was Western. It was cutting horses, and it was being out on the range all day. And it's a different kind of feel. Um, how do you accommodate that for the different breeds that are moving into Western versage, like? um the warm bloods that are moving in and thoroughbreds and are you finding that there's a certain breed that tends to excel at Western versage versus traditional versage and and why?
0: You know it's funny you <laughs> asked me about this because um at the World's show and at our global international online show um we have between 50 and 60 breeds constantly wow. we never have less than <sighs> 50 breeds And then Cindy Butler um, and uh, several other people gave a lecture to USEF at the uh, meeting in January. And they had all these great charts and flow charts and they showed how many uh, breeds there were, which was phenomenal. But then one of the things that they were showing in this chart, and they had this pie chart and it was all color coded and everything, was that if you went in, with whatever breed you had, you had as good a chance as anybody else to win. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing the statistics that they had and three or four charts to show this that, you know, uh, the percentage of winning was not one particular breed, it was spread out over all the breeds. Now, quarter horses happened to win more, but it was only because percentage wise, more quarter horses mm-hmm. went in. Right, right. But but percentage-wise, the percentage across the board was the same. So you know, if 400 Morgans uh, went in and 41, if 800 Arabs went in, you know, it would be double. It was it was like amazing. Mm-hmm. And so right. what we know is that if you are well schooled, you're doing a good job with your work. You're an accurate rider. You're interested in dressage principles. You're paying attention to the test. If you go in, your chances are excellent. And we're so excited about that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. It's great. So we just tell people, you know, you do need your horse to have, it doesn't have to be a spectacular mover. You know, the walk four beat, the jog two beat, the lope three beat. Yes. Regularity, of course. Oh, and more exciting than that. Like, we have the most incredible gated horses. Yeah. And until I came here, I had I had given people riding lessons a couple of times, a few times on gated horses, but not a lot of experience with it. And now, all of a sudden, it's like I'm coaching people, I'm teaching people, I'm judging people with Tennessee walkers. And in the world's last year, I was judging, I had a horse come in and do the tolt. And I was like, this is amazing. It was amazing. We do keep those horses in separate classes just so everyone doesn't kind of go, oh my gosh. The horses that are gated are presented in separate classes. And at the top of my paper, it says, you know, it lets me know that it's a gated horse. It's in a gated class and it's judged against other gated horses. Yeah, But there again, there's all these horses that need a second job and need a second opportunity. And, you know, we don't want them to go to the rescues. We want them to come into divisions and come into middle-class America's hands and have an opportunity to be improved and be more healthy and have a longer life by doing, by progressing in dressage, in Western dressage. Yeah. Cool. That's great.
1: It is. It's exciting. So my uh, my last question, we've started asking this to our people so that Aviva and I can build a reading list. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you have a favorite horse book or a favorite book, I guess, if you don't have a favorite horse one that's either fiction or nonfiction?
0: Well, I have, if I can quickly tell you, I had three books I wanted to mention to you. Okay. Um, because I own the entire USDF certification reading list, because I was teaching <laughs> US course certification of course you applicants, you know. So I had the whole list, and all in all those years I was in Florida, we had always had the library with us, and we read a book a week and we checked them out. One of the most checked out books, and which is popular and everyone loves her book, is Janet Janet Boy's book. You know, mm-hmm. for the Not So Perfect Horse. I mean, you just can't yes. not mention that book. Yeah, but. My all time, all time favorite, and once people looked at it, it's not as well known. But once people saw this book, this is my favorite. On top of that, Janet's is great, but Dressage Solutions A Rider's Guide by Arthur Cottis. Oh, okay, and that book, you know, Arthur is a retired um, director of the Spanish writing School, and he still right. comes to America and does clinics, and I've cliniced with him a lot. This book for me is so clear and i recommend it even to wd writers because there are phenomenal explanations large print easy to read mm-hmm. uh, good diagrams there's also photographs and there's photographs of this is good this is not so good this is good this is not so good and it's very very clear so that's my favorite but there's as you know there's so many mm-hmm. The last book, which I think is very significant and is maybe not what you would have even imagined, is that I buy copies and pass out to people a book on coaching, which is called Woden, W-O-O-D-E-N. And this was Coach John Woden and his book, A Lifetime of Observations and Reflections on and Off the Court. And he was a basketball coach. Yeah. And he was coaching people like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he was coaching for the NCAA, and they had 10 national championships in 12 years, seven of which were in a row. From 1964 to 1975, he's probably considered to be one of the best coaches in history. Now, this man's whole book is a tiny book, and you can probably read it, you know, like in a day, but his book is all about character, integrity uh comportment, how how to lead by being a leader, and how to encourage and not discourage. And it's amazing. And so I pass this book out to all the writing instructors that come to me that say, hey, I have difficult clients, you know, I find people difficult to teach. <laughs> and this book is phenomenal on how to coach how to encourage right. how to teach by leading correctly and we don't talk about that so much anymore it's um wooden was his last name yeah. yes w-o-o-d-e-n mm-hmm.
1: yes yes Yeah. So those are my, those are my favorites. Well, Ida, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day and sharing all of your insights. This was quite an education. And um, I think we can encourage everyone that to be open-minded
0: and maybe if they're looking for something else to do to give Western Dressage a try. I appreciate you asking me. It was so kind and I was honored to be with you. Thank you, Stephanie. And thank you, Aviva. I really appreciate it well thank you hey Karen
1: thank you thanks for listening to the dressage today podcast if you've missed any episodes or to subscribe go to apple podcasts soundcloud stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts while you're there please rate and review the show learn more and read in-depth training articles at dressagetoday.com or you can visit our subscription video site ondemand.dressagetoday.com. Be sure to give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Happy riding, and we'll see you at X. The Dressage Today podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of Equine Network, LLC.